You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Good evening. Welcome to Love Logical DNA Not Required. This is Michelle L. Anderson coming to you live from Podcast Detroit Royal Oak Studios. We are looking forward to intriguing and entertaining you every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Let me start today's show by saying thank you for joining our family, which is biological by nature, love logical by choice, DNA not required. Hello, hello, everyone. This is Michelle L. Anderson with Love Logical DNA Not Required, where biological is by nature and love logical is by choice. I am here this evening to continue a community conversation on trauma. We had a very interesting conversation last week, and for those of you who missed it, please know that it is on Love Logical's Facebook Live page. I mean, Facebook page. Just posted it today since it went live on YouTube um, last night, and we want to continue. So I'm going to have my guests introduce themselves so they can get a little comfortable with the mic. So you want to start? Hello, my name is Claudia Vargas from CVG Marketing. Okay. And CVG Marketing, um, Claudia also has a background with trauma, um, human sex trafficking. She sits mm-hmm. on a lot of boards and, and belongs to a lot of organizations, too. So you want to go next? My name is Dawn Wilson-Clark, and I'm with the BEAT team, Brightmore Education Action Team. Thank you. My name is Jonathan Clark, and I'm also a member of the BEAT team. Thank you very much. Jonathan was having a hard time because last week I messed up his last name. <laughs> and I wanted to make sure this week I let him say it himself because I didn't want him to bust out and start singing me and Mrs. Jones <laughs> on my microphone. <laughs> I some of you may be too young to remember that song, but I'm sure. Um, know about that. Yeah, we know about that song in here. So those of you who are too young to remember it, Google it, mm-hmm. and then you will have a nice, wonderful evening because it's, it's a really nice song. Mm-hmm. The meaning behind it, ah, but the song and the music itself is, yeah, it's one of those songs. So tonight, we're going to continue our conversation on trauma, and this is Claudia's first time in the studio for a podcast. Yes. So she's, you know, this is, don't be nervous. It's just, it's just a natural conversation. You know, and I kind of keep things flowing, try to keep us on task here and make sure that we do have a good conversation. Last week, um, Dawn talked about how trauma is in our children is sexual, it's emotional, and it's physical. And Dawn kind of really knocked me over last week when she was talking about how a lot of our urban children are traumatized right within the schools, especially within Detroit public schools. Because and you do a lot with Detroit public schools too, don't you, Claudia? Yes, a little bit. With in southwest Detroit mm-hmm. more so. Yes. And we're talking about how the conditions in the schools are considered as traumatizing to our children. And, I mean, that just, that kind of blew me away. And I didn't think of it that way how not having teachers, how not having books, how not having decent water, um, supplies, and on and on. 
And it really kind of, it made me think. Because I know some students who actually were in classes without teachers, and they had to teach themselves. And to find out, I thought that was something that was not of the norm, to find that it's actually becoming more of a norm. And that Detroit public schools are, what number, what, where did you say they ranked? Not just Detroit public schools, so mm-hmm. all of the school systems. Okay. In Michigan. In Michigan. We are 50, the mm-hmm. bottom 50. And that's the United States. Of the United States. That's that's sad. Yeah. It's sad. So today we wanted to talk about, and we also last week talked about as far as the trauma when it came to our young ladies and our young men being trafficked and things at the malls. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not just something that is within the African-American community. This is a multicultural situation when it comes to, to trafficking. It's very much so a multicultural. Claudio, uh, just, just to kind of bring us up to date, when we were talking, you were saying that there's a lot of similarities between the Hispanic community and the African-American community when it comes to trauma. Mm-hmm. Give me just touch. Give us some some education here. Well, I think uh, in the Hispanic community, um, there's a lot of issues that happen um, with um, alcohol. Uh, there's a lot of issues with uh, domestic violence. Um, there's a lot of issues with single moms, single parents, um, and that gets kids in a vulnerable a situation mm-hmm. where they are exposed to be picked on, get exposed to be abused on, uh, even by family members. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, when they get to school, it's even worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and we think it's just in our communities until you start talking with other communities mm-hmm. and you realize it's a human being issue. Yes. It's not... You know, whether you're African-American or you're Hispanic or you're Asian, you know, they might have different situations, uh, how they handle things. But um, it certainly has hurt our communities. Yes. Mm-hmm. And for our community, it's something that nobody really wants to talk about. You know, they have certain issues happening. So they want to keep it quiet, um, and then when it gets really explosive, or when somebody gets pregnant, or when somebody something really bad happens, that that's when they speak up, and that's when they look for for solutions. And it should be, be before, right? It should be more proactive, proactive, as opposed to reactive. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. but I mean, you know, and the thing is, we see that a lot, and. Unfortunately, it's that's that is that's straight across the board, and that's it's socioeconomic. It's not a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's all over. It, it goes from lower income to your to your upper income. As far it as doesn't discriminate, it doesn't discriminate does when it comes to trauma, mm-hmm. especially trauma within kids. Mm-hmm. There's no level of discrimination. You know, and you were saying that. You know, things are kept quiet. 
And when we were when we were coming up, a lot of families had the had the relatives, the uncle, the cousin, or whoever who you knew touched the kids. But it was to the point to where you stayed away from that person. You were told to stay away, but had you been touched by that person, you weren't supposed to share it. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to just suck it up and and keep quiet about it. And I think that that it's sad that things happen like that. Mm-hmm. I was fortunate to where my great uncle, you know, my mother caught him chasing me around the kitchen table, mm-hmm. um, wanting me to sit on his lap, you know, because he would like me to sit on his lap. And I would cry when he would come to visit, you know. And when my mother caught him, you know, just saying, come on, just come on, sit on my lap, just for a little bit, sit on my lap. And I'm going around the table. My mother grabbed a butcher knife and asked him what he was doing, you know, and cussed him out. My mother was like a like a Medea back 30 some years ago, y'all. Tyler Perry didn't do it. That was that was. Yes, that was that was that was she was she was big mama and she was like a Medea. She grabbed the butcher knife. She chased him out of our house. Um, I never saw him again. And it was to the point to where even when he passed away and my father couldn't, my father wanted us to at least go represent the family at the funeral. And my mother said, if we, you going to make us go to that funeral, I'm going to tip that casket over. <laughs> so of course he went without us, <laughs> yeah. you know, so, you know, and it was later on in life that my father basically apologized to mm. me. And he told me that, you know, when stuff happened like that, it was kind of like, you know, people thought that the kids were making it up or that, you know, I just didn't like him coming over there or something like that. But he later apologized to me. That's a blessing mm-hmm. because that rarely happens. Mm-hmm. True. So True. so you were blessed to, to get that apology and. And the action mm-hmm. and the action, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I know I hear a lot of people where their parents, they want to ignore it. Yes. They want everything to be ignored. They mm-hmm. want their perfect little world to mm-hmm. stay perfect. And they just choose not to see things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. True. And I, I do. I have friends that have been through things like that where they talked to my mom when we were younger and they were afraid to talk to their own parents, you know, because either the mother, it was the mother's latest boyfriend or it was a cousin or something like that, you know, and they didn't open up and talk about it. But those things incite trauma within themselves. Mm -hmm. And I've had people tell me that I was lucky that my mother stepped up, Mm -hmm. but it still brought about trauma for me. Mm -hmm. You know, it did. And when you look in the communities, you know, it's just, I just pray that people will talk to the kids and listen to your children. Listen to them. If a child tells you something, listen. And to kind of piggyback on what you were saying a few minutes ago, a lot of times we don't say anything or we don't acknowledge something until it affects us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, how many times have we seen a traumatic event happen on TV, but just continue changing the station, not having a second thought about what that child or that mm-hmm. mom or that dad is going through? Mm-hmm. But when it's your son or your daughter, 
Now you want to take action. But it shouldn't have to take your child becoming a victim to take action to prevent this trauma that you see that's being perpetuated in our community. That's true. And then the thing is, you see victims being victimized over and over again now because of social media. Mm-hmm. So it's it's bad enough that you're victimized just in the first place. Mm-hmm. But then you got people who are recording stuff and putting it online. You have people who are talking about it online. Mm-hmm. You got people making memes about victims right? online. But I, but I think it's also up to us, the parents. And I will give a little example. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter um, got employed and she needed to have a, um, a background check. And mm-hmm. we were waiting in the lobby and there were other people before us. And one of, well, I started talking with them and she said, man, I've been here three hours waiting. And my daughter was like, oh, I hope I don't have to wait a long time. So then we were not even 10 minutes, and they called my daughter's name before the lady. Mm. Wow. And uh, she's African-American, and we were Hispanic, right? So my daughter and I just look at each other, and I stood up. She had gone in the reception and said, you know, I've been here three hours. What's going on? And she said, well, you have to wait your turn. So she sat right next to us, and um, they called my daughter right after she sat down. And I looked at my daughter, and I went up to the lady, and I said, you know what? I just heard that she's been here for three hours. Why are you we?" And I turned around, and I told my daughter, you're okay with that, right? Mm-hmm. And she said, yes, Mom, go ahead. And I said, why are you calling me first? Why are you not calling her? Well, because you made an appointment and she's just a walking. Mm. And I said, you know what? You're making her wait for three hours. We just got here. There's no problem with me letting her go first. And I think we as parents, when we see situations like this, we got to show by example. Mm -hmm. Because now I see my daughter, when she goes to work, Doing, making the same choices. Mm. Yes. And she's showing like she's working in a little camp with little kids. And she's doing the same things because she saw her mama stood up for somebody. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it has to be up to us, the parents, to show with actions that when you see something that is not correct, to stand up in a polite way, say, I don't think what you're doing is correctly. I don't mind her going first. We can wait 20 more minutes. I mean, my daughter was in and out in five minutes. But this this woman had to go back to work. And they were just making her wait just because. And I just thought that was so unfair. And we we as adults have to make those little changes. I like that. Because we're planting little Mm -hmm. seeds Mm -hmm. in our kids so that the future, you know, is thinking, you know, you know, this is not right, you know. I don't think you should be doing that. Of course, you know, they ended up feeling, you know, bad, and hopefully they will think twice about doing that. I'm actually going to write a letter to the place. It's Good not mama, only that, yes. you know. I'm a, I, I'm a letter writer, too. Yeah, I'm I'm, I am. Letter. I'm an email phone caller. I'm not a writer, but it, you have to. You know, I and like say, that. you know, you have to change your policy, you know. Or we went out to eat, you know, and there's this beautiful restaurant, you know, and the poor lady, 
is is in the lobby, you know, and she's telling us, oh, you're going to be sitting down pretty soon. It's a steakhouse, and it's a very popular steakhouse. I'm not going to say the name. Okay. But I looked at her, and the lobby was, at, we had like 60 people in the lobby waiting, and we were all told in five minutes you're going to be seated. I look at her and I said, somebody's going to get killed. <laughs> you know, somebody's gonna. At the end, I told her, I hope you make a lot of money in the reception because they're making her tell all of us. Five minutes. Yeah, so instead of me making her feel bad because so many people in the lobby were angry that we were all told we had to wait. You know, five minutes, just five more <laughs> minutes, you know. When everybody arrives hungry, you mm-hmm. want to be seated now. Mm-hmm. And there's people with kids and, you know, and I said, you know, thank you for being so polite and so patient with all of us. Because we come hungry and we expect to be seated and you, so also making compliments with people that are having hard jobs, you know, because you don't know what their lifestyle is back at home. You know, we all have some. Um, so I think the change has to be with within. us. The change within. has to be within. We have to see more of the positive than the negative. We mm-hmm. already know there's a lot of negative in the world. There's a lot of bad people out there. But if we can say find more positive things when we leave this store. I know this world can be a much better place. I think that's why we got along from the yes, get-go. Yes, I know. Because I do. I compliment people all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I do it because when know. I see something I like, I say I like it. Mm-hmm. You know, if I hear something or whatever, I usually give a compliment. And I don't think that that's the status quo now. I don't think it's the norm. Because you remember when we were growing up, you would say if you lock eyes with someone, you say hello. You gotta speak. You yeah. know, you speak, or you got the the nod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you got the nod. The men are usually like, you know, <laughs> women are. You know, you got the nod, but you acknowledged each other. And for a while, it got to a point to where you would look at someone and you would speak, and they'd look at you like, "Do I know you? Why are you speaking to me?" You know, but I continue to speak to people and I'll go places and people will say hello, you know, and I'm, you know, and then people like, well, why are they speaking to you? Because I smile. I smile when I look at people. It's just out of habit. So I do think that that could change some of the world, but we have to figure out how to get rid of so much trauma amongst our children because our children are growing into adults who are basically they're 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 becoming like a a catalyst of keeping it going within the generations because if 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 I've established trauma childhood trauma that has been you know untreated or I don't even realize that I have been traumatized and I'm passing it on because mm-hmm. it's the norm. And like you were saying, alcohol, drugs, um, you know, some single parents, you know, just different issues that are promoting that trauma to where that's where the emotional, where the physical and where the sexual trauma comes from. I had a friend once tell me I didn't have a retirement plan because I didn't think I was going to make it until 40. Mm. 
Wow. And she's such a powerful lady. And she made such a big difference in a lot of people's lives that it broke my heart to hear that she said, nobody in my family has ever survived. After 40, I'm the only one. Um, and she even put me in the list for her funeral, you know, and it really... She had a lot of trauma within herself. She probably did. Because of that. She yes. already knew she was not going to survive. And she, um, and it really bothered me to hear that because she's such an amazing person. And How she, old is she now? I think she's about 60. She retired yeah. recently. Yeah. 60-something. Um, so she's like she was blessed with life. She was. When she didn't expect it. Right, so she had to continue working because she didn't have any savings. <laughs> but think about the fear. But think about yes. that level of fear. That's yes. a trauma within itself exactly. because of so much death and everything. So just think about that level of fear that she had within her. Does she have children? Yes. Okay. Well, that's good. She's yes. been here 60-some years plus more mm -hmm. to spend time with them. And those are things, you know, mm -hmm. that we pass on because I'm quite sure that those that fear – was probably instilled into her kids. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And they were probably, I, I hate to but literally like holding their breath for their mother to get past 40. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that's interesting. The hopelessness. Yes. Israel. Yes. What do you have, Dawn, as far as adults who have allowed the childhood trauma to come into their lives? With the beat team. Give me, give me just a little bit of. So trauma's real. Yes. But it doesn't last forever. It can be um, built upon resilience. And mm -hmm. so positive interactions with caring adults, teachers, um, community leaders, um, you know, neighbors, just caring people that um, would talk to children and invest in them. That's how they can beat it. And, um, you know, but we, uh, again, the adults have to deal with their trauma mm -hmm. in order to, you know, build a new generation and, and allow them to become who I believe God is calling them to be. You know, um, we we got to face it. Like you said earlier, you know, it's something that we don't like to talk about. But um, a lot of people have been talking about trauma and mental illness and and i'm just hoping that with the um efforts of the beat team that we'll be able to bring awareness and let people know you're not alone you know mm -hmm. it's not you're not crazy <laughs> and you know it's not a lot we have to shift the focus to um what happened to you mm -hmm. as opposed to you know why'd you do that no what what caused you to do that it was it's something deeper than this the kids are bad it's it's not that they're living in poverty they're living in you know unstable environments mm -hmm. you know so um just caring adults and spending quality time with children i believe that will you know help our communities thrive quality versus quantity um there's a lot of people that don't understand that you could be a parent, a by every other weekend parent, but your children 
enjoy the quality of the time that you spend with them. You can be an every other weekend parent and do nothing but sit down and watch TV with your kids or let the TV watch the kids while you're doing something else. Or you could be that every other weekend parent that gets out there, explores to find out what's going on in the community, what can we do this weekend, just go outside, throw a ball, jump rope, you know. I love watching the videos where you have the dads and their daughters dancing, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. dads trying to jump rope, you know, Um, mothers doing different things. You know, I was a single mom. And with my son, and I actually taught him how to play, a, how to throw a football. You know, um, I know one day my son had got smart with me. He was, you know, middle school, was he elementary? No, late elementary school on the football team. And he got smart with me and walked away from me. Mm. And he was bigger than me, so it had to be middle school. But I took off running and tackled him, <laughs> and he was in full gear. <laughs> and I tackled him right there in front of everybody and flipped him over and told him, no, you don't get smart with me. <laughs> and we laugh about that all the time. You know, we got <laughs> my mama crazy. Yes, she is. She love you, dude. For real, for real. <laughs> but it's like, you know, you it's the things that we can teach our children. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I played football when I was a teenager. But at least what I did know how to do, I taught them how to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, if my kids wanted to learn how to ride horses, learn how to ride horses. You know, you want to learn how to do this. Those are things that you can find to do. And there's so many nonprofit organizations out here offering different things for free. Mm-hmm. It just takes time. And even if you're a full-time parent, I truly think that many of our kids are traumatized just with their weekly schedule. Mm-hmm. Because they go to school, oh, then they have to go to karate practice, they yeah, got to go to dance practice, <laughs> they got to go here to True. practice. Mm-hmm. Every day they have a schedule to where they can't sit down and relax mm-hmm. or just go play and be kids. Mm-hmm. Because true. everything is so structured. Mm-hmm. And I think that's traumatizing. I, I agree. I, I agree. really do. Just too much. Mm-hmm. Too I really much do. stimulation. Mm-hmm. Especially when you have elementary school kids not getting home into bed until 9 o'clock and... Nine ten o'clock because they have to eat dinner because they've been at practice and games and everything else because we're trying to get ahead of the curve when it comes to getting the kids into, you know, being sports heroes and things. And I don't know. And there's trauma even in the rich communities. Yes. Uh, there is trauma in different ways, mm-hmm. uh, but sometimes not meeting the expectations of the dad or mm-hmm. the mom who's very successful CEOs. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of suicide in a lot of the high-end uh, communities. I remember when I was in high school, um, there was a classmate of mine that committed suicide because his father was a doctor and he was not admitted into doctor school, um, mm, medical our, school, in a medical school. And it traumatized not only the family, but it traumatized the whole entire school. Mm. And, um, and it's something that happens very often, you know, at least in my kids, uh, schools, they went to Birmingham public schools mm-hmm. and at least, very often there is somebody that kills themselves in middle school or high school and, and you know it's because of the expectations high expectations of the parents mm-hmm. uh, with the sports mm-hmm. or with, academically or with yes. the universities you know or sometimes they don't want to go back home mm-hmm. you know they want 
they like their school and if they're in a boarding school, in a private school, they, they, the expectations of the parents is too much. So there's trauma in all. That's why I said all across the board. All across the border. Yes, it's there. You know, now my thing is love logical, love logical parents. And that's the parents who are, let's say, love logical foster parents who have the foster children in their homes. A lot of our foster children within our communities have all endured some sort of trauma within the fostering system. And unfortunately, not many of the foster parents take the time to get the counseling or to any services that's needed to help the children get through those traumas. I know um, one foster mother, and Shannon, I'm going to shout out to you. She is truly a love logical mom because Shannon would take the kids to get them checked. She would take them to get them, you know, make sure they go to the doctor, make sure they go to the dentist, make sure they do every, you know, everything that's needed. They need counseling. She's going to get them counseling because they have, they have insurance. Every child within our fostering system has insurance. It's just a matter of being a foster parent or being a love logical parent. You know, are you going to be a, a love logically fostering parent that's going to take the time to help with the mental health of the child that you have in your home? When my mother had foster children growing up, I don't think that back then, 30-some years ago, I don't think that it was as traumatic as it is now. I really don't because these kids now, they've seen and they've been through so much. And I know what, what they went through back then. So they said if you take something that happened back 30-some years ago and multiply it by 10, mm -hmm. you're still not where we are right now. Mm -mm. You know? So just imagine. So anyone who's love logically fostering children, find out what that child's background is. Usually you get an information sheet. Find out what's on that information sheet. And if that child needs some sort of mental health um, services, Find the time to go and take them. Help that child become a proactive, healthy adult. Be that light switch in that child's life that's going to make them say, somebody finally loves me and somebody finally cares about me. Because that's how we're going to help them be productive, proactive, positive citizens. Mm -hmm. You know, my love logical sister... I'm not going to say her name, but oh, I've said it before. Taronda, my love logically fostered sister, she lived with us as a teenager. And she's been through a lot, but she went and she got the help and everything that she needs. And now she is probably one of the most, she's one of the best moms to her kids. She is, her thought process is amazing. I love talking to her because we have positive conversations. And even if one of us needs to vent, she always she always say, you know what, sis, we're going to pray on this. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think of the little girl who came to live with us and some of the things that she had been through and how my mother loved her through mm -hmm. until she left our home. 
but she has referred back to that love many times. Mm. She said that my mother helped teach her how to be a mother because mm-hmm. she yeah. knew that that's who she wanted to be like. Mm. And I moved last weekend, and one of my one of my love logically fostering brothers actually helped me move. He lived with us as a child, and he was talking about a memory of us being on the bus and everything we growing up, you know, and me telling him not to talk to strangers and you know different things. And those are things that. You think of so when you have a child come into your home through the fostering system, love them like you would your own because they are yours because they're living in your house. I was thinking about a a conversation I had earlier with a friend of mine, Mm -hmm. and she was going through something, and so we prayed. And at the end of the prayer, I told her, I said, You be happy on purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, I said, If something's going on, just get your girls and start dancing, you know, and just make yourself. You have to defeat those negative, um, you know, because bad things happen to all of us. Everybody. You know, but we have to choose to rise up. And find a positive lesson that happens mm-hmm. in it, usually. Yeah. And it was it was so funny. She was like, you know what? That's a good idea. Because, <laughs> you know, you, you can choose to dwell in all that has happened to you and all that you've gone through or you can choose to say you know what I'm not going to live like what I've been through mm-hmm. and I'm going to help somebody else get through yes and so you know that that's that's key and I was thinking another um about <laughs> a um a situation my children so since they were little if they would, you know, because children argue, they fuss, they oh, yeah. fight. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But if I hear them arguing or fussing, I make them tell each other. Like, so today's what? July 2nd. Right. So today you have to look at your sister and tell her two good things about her. Oh, that's beautiful. And <laughs> I love that. That's what happens on the 30th. And so they're like, oh, God, no, ma, no. No, we're okay, we're okay. But even... If, you know, because sometimes, because they're teenagers, mm-hmm. um, it gets intense. And so right. after 30 times saying you are still got issues, hug her and kiss her 30 mm-hmm. times. And because words are powerful and you are not, and I tell you are not going to talk about my child. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are. You know, one of my babies, um, she was having an issue at school and the teacher said, called her a lot I turned around I said oh we're going to talk to her she going to tell you 30 good things in front of your classmates and she's like no mama no 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 please don't please I said well did you lie she's like yeah I said okay but you know mm-hmm. the the point is we <laughs> have to step up speak yeah. mm-hmm. into not just our children mm-hmm. all the children we see you know I don't know if you all are familiar with Dr. Tracy Lynn she um, sells jewelry mm-hmm. and so Years ago, I was watching her speak, and um, she said she was 18 years old, on her way to jail, could have went to jail for life. And her mother said, I don't care what them people said about you. You still going to be my doctor. Mm-hmm. And she said, the people in the audience, she said, I know y'all probably want to know what what did I do? What, you know, charges were brought up on me? She said, well, you know what? That's none of your business. That's under <laughs> the blood. What matters is I'm a doctor today. Yes. And it was because her mother did not give up on her. Mm-hmm. And that's what we got to do. We got to 
stop giving up on our children because they're ours. And forgive. And forgive. We have to forgive. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. We used to have to hug each other and kiss each other on the cheek. So when you'd be hugging each other and they'd be... <laughs> That's so I love it. You know? <laughs> and <laughs> that was my mother. And I know we had a situation with my son when um, he was he was 16 and he had gotten jumped by these guys. And I knew that they were all at an age to where it was it was motivated by a female who was not truthful. She lied and said that my son was was flirting with her, and she was calling my house, like, repeatedly every day, all day, and he wasn't interested. So she lied, and these guys jumped my son. Well, I pulled all the parents together mm-hmm. because my son, was he was out of school. He had some serious injuries, mm-hmm. and he needed nursing. Wow. Those boys had to come take care of my son. Oh. I love it. Yes. Oh, they had to come take care of my I son. I love it. I'll give you a high and five, but you're way over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my arms are too short. <laughs> awesome. And they're, the parents, I became friends with the parents. And my son is still friends with two of those three I'm boys sure today. It, be, it brought about a lifetime friendship. Yeah. They That's may not talk all the time, mm-hmm. but they keep up with each other. Mm-hmm. And I did not, and I explained to the parents, I didn't want them to lose their opportunity to go to college mm-hmm. because of a mistake, that the stupid mistake that they made, but also wanted them to get to know each other mm-hmm. so they would know each other's character and no one right. would ever be able to say anything to them that's going to make them want to fight someone. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no, no female or male out here worth that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and they didn't want to, but the parents were like, look, she can call the police. Nah. She could press charges. It could go two ways. She's she's giving you an opportunity, mm-hmm. and you gonna do it, <laughs> right? Go on over there, go. On. Yeah, you gonna do it. And I garnered so much respect did, out of those boys. How did your son feel at first? At first, he wasn't for it. I'm sure he wasn't, but it ended up working itself out. He thought I was crazy. I'm sure <laughs> he did, but it worked itself out. Beautiful. And the last thing they thought is that they'd become friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lifelong friends. I'm sure. Yes, and yeah. one who, um, one of the boys is deceased. He mm-hmm. didn't turn his life around. Mm-hmm. The other two, they turned their lives around. They both went to college. They graduated from college. Mm-hmm. You know, they 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 are they're married. They got kids. You know, everybody is. They're doing good. One, he ended up he ended up losing his life mm-hmm. to the streets. Mm-hmm. So I think that his parents. We have more power than what we realize mm-hmm. we do. But we also, our, our kids now are so angry, and they're growing into angry adults. They're growing into angry adults. Look at how many boys <laughs> won't even smile to take a picture because it's not cool to smile. Mm-hmm. It's cool to look mad. Go on, Jonathan. I see it coming. <laughs> I was just thinking about something you had just said. I love parents. Mm -hmm. And it's hard being a parent. It is. It's even harder when there's an issue or a situation Mm -hmm. and you don't feel capable Mm -hmm. of helping. If it's something that just you're dealing with in your life, that's one thing. You can can stomach that. Mm -hmm. But when your kids need something and you don't feel like you're qualified, to handle or to help, 
I believe that that is the worst trauma a parent can feel. Yes. When you can't help the being that you gave life to. Mm-hmm. We pass trauma on. We you do. ladies are absolutely right. And like I said last week, kids need help dealing with trauma. But the parents, mm. if you don't address the parents' trauma, if you don't empower the parents, like you said, parents don't feel they have power. If parents don't feel empowered, they're not going to take action. Mm-hmm. That's why these schools run the way they do. Yes. Because some parents feel like, oh, I can't go in my kid's school. I wish somebody would tell me I can't go mm-hmm. in my kid's school. I agree with you. But you have parents now who are siding with their children over the teachers, who are not supporting the teachers because mm-hmm. the teachers are being traumatized by the kids in many situations. And if you have a teacher that's trying to tell a child right from wrong mm-hmm. and the parents are going to come and cuss out the teacher. <laughs> trauma. That's trauma. That's that trauma. All, yeah. all around. Yes, it's, it's all around. Yeah. That's yeah. the parent, the teacher, and the kids. Everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not getting anywhere. It used to be the parents would go up in there and the parents went right. off on you. That's right. That's right. Immediately. Immediately. Mm-hmm. And, and made you. Apologize, apologize to the teacher and the class. Yes. I had to do that a many a day. Yes, because the teacher is there to do their job. They're mm-hmm. not there to babysit. Mm-hmm. And in today's world, it makes you question, you know, why are these teachers babysitting? And it's because a lot of times so many of the parents have been traumatized throughout their lives that they don't know how to be positive, productive mm-hmm. parents or adults. Mm-hmm. Or they think they are. And a lot of them are um, surviving. Yeah, survivors. As opposed yes. to stri- uh, You're thriving. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. a lot of them are teenagers too, and they're they don't know any better. Mm-hmm. They don't know any better. Yeah, because I, I, it is hard when you have a mother who's thirteen, fourteen years older than their child. Mm-hmm. You know, and that child's in school, and you have the mother coming up there more so. You know, they, they really don't know. Mm-hmm. But I had I had learned something at one of the women's retreats that I went to, and it was about forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And a young lady, she was, um, I won't say her name, but that's, it's her story. But she was, she was the product of her mother being raped at 13. Mm-hmm. And she grew up with guilt on her, you know, of not being wanted because she was the product of rape. And she, even though her mother kept her, I guess she felt like her mother really didn't want her. Mm -hmm. But it took her getting older to realize that her mother had to want her because she kept her. And she may not have did her best at raising her, but she did the best that she could do because she was a child, Mm -hmm. raising a child, Mm -hmm. So she had to forgive her mother for not knowing how to raise her. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, mm-hmm. when you think about it, because I had my son when I was 20. I was a 20-year-old. I lost my mother while I was pregnant with him, mm. you know, and I didn't know what to do, but I mimicked what I saw. Mm-hmm. So that made me a good mother. 
That's key. You mimic yes, what you saw. I mimic what I saw. saw and saw I listened. And I listened. True. Yes. Mm-hmm. What you mm-hmm. saw was good. Mm-hmm. But there were some bad things that happened in our home as well. But I did not mimic those bad things. Mm-hmm. I learned from those things. I didn't do them. I didn't do them. I, I'm glad you brought that up because I thought about the last time I was here, I talked mm-hmm. about my mother mm-hmm. and how um, at 15 she just ran away. Yeah. And didn't know where she was. And But finally, when she came back, um, I asked her, you know, why'd you leave? And she told me, she said, I was riding around the city of Detroit looking for an abandoned building with my shotgun. I was going to shoot you. I was going to shoot your brother. And I was going to shoot myself. She said, and as she continued to drive, she said, you know what? Forget these kids. I'm out. And she took care of herself. And... When she shared that with me, I forgave her and yeah. thanked God that I was still alive. She saved your life. She did because her mother proceeded her, or succeeded in suicide. So that was something that was. She saw. Uh, yes, yeah, she, she saw. It was instilled it in was, her. You know, and, and, and her mother also left her when she was five. Mm. And then her grandmother, her mother left her when she was five weeks. So it was a pattern. Mm. And me and my mom broke it. Mm, yes. That's nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Yes. And then you have always been there for your children, being the mother that you are. So you broke it. Yeah. You broke it. Because your mom left. Mm-hmm. You, came, you came back together. You forgave her. Mm-hmm. So that, that started. But you broke. You were the one who broke the chain of events because you didn't leave yours. That's awesome. That is awesome. And yes. we, we'd find her. Yes. <laughs> the kids would find her. Yes. Wherever she ran, <laughs> they'd find her. <laughs> but I think that that is so amazing. Mm-hmm. And, Claudia, I know with the, within the Hispanic community, I do see a lot of what you were speaking of. I mean, but it's also in all the communities as far as the alcoholism and the, the, um, the domestic abuse and things mm-hmm. like that. But... What makes it, I think it's more public. I think that within our community, it's more behind closed doors. Within Hispanic community, it seems to be more public. And I think because the Hispanic community is so open and everything, it's like an open-door community. You think so? I don't think so. I think Really? You think it's closed? Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that you don't talk about. You just... Be quiet, unless it's a new generation that is growing up here and is learning the American okay. way, okay. then they okay. are changing. Okay. But I see a lot of having access to a lot of people in the community. Um, they do share a lot of pretty strong things mm-hmm. and uh, domestic violence, you know, just with in our culture, especially I am from Mexico, so men. Latin men, Mexican men are like, I'm the macho man, right? Mm-hmm. I'm the boss. I'm the one who tells you what to do at home. And if you don't, I'm going to beat you, you know? If And you're not going to talk to anyone, you know? And a lot of the people that come here don't even speak the language. So uh, they're fearful, you know? They're nobody here. So they take more advantage of that. Um, what can we do to help? Wow. 
It's a lot of uh, role models that need to be present. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of presence. Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of amazing organizations mm -hmm. in Detroit that are out there. I think it's just educating. It's a lot of education and a lot of involvement and a lot of people really believing, giving a chance, you know, and just believing in everyone, you know. So if you had a seminar within the Hispanic community, let's say if, if someone from 482 Forward came into the Hispanic community to do a seminar, do you think people would come? Um, yes and no. There are some, like I said, that they're hiding under their their home mm -hmm. and they don't want people to know what their problems are. Uh, so what has been successful for me is behind the computer, they send me messages mm -hmm. and they tell me these are the issues and this is what I need. So then I put them in contact with okay. the places. So your referral because service. Because it's, like it's like a shameful <coughs> thing. They okay. don't want the neighbor to know that they are also being abused in their own home and even though they cover their face with makeup you know it's a shameful thing or or the abuse or whatever it is it's 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 not something that it's they want other people to know about do they know about the shelters and things that's available to them do you I tell them about the shelters i don't think you know no, no because i don't know about it because there aren't any what do you mean there aren't any there's domestic abuse okay, shelters but not enough there's uh, not enough. Not enough. Yes. We okay. do need more. Tell and, me about that night. Um, so one of, so you, you know I'm a clown too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. how great. And, um, Her husband is too. He just don't put the makeup on. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had to, did a party for this girl. She was like 11. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I, um, I'm also the black club president. And so we were walking around passing out flyers. She moved into the house down the street, come to find out it was a dope house. Mm -hmm. And I invited her to the black club meeting and the dope man, okay, because we all are on this street. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so a couple of days later, she came to my home. He had beaten her up. The 11-year-old or the wife? I'm sorry. I fast forward. She grew I, up. My husband tells me I suck okay. at telling stories. Okay. But she grew up. Okay. Um, so she was like 22. Okay. 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 And... Um, she, you know, she, I, she came to my house, and we tried to find a place for her. And I'm connected. Like, mm -hmm. I know my state rep cell number. I know my county commissioner cell number. You're proactive. You mm -hmm. know, and all of the places we called were full. Will she leave the city? That's what I'm finding. I'm finding that people don't want to leave their environment. If they'd be willing to leave their environment and get out of the city, mm. it's easier. Mm -hmm. Yes. I brought up that example mm -hmm. because we spent about three hours that night trying to find some place. Resource and come closer. Uh oh, he's like, "What she want? What she want?" <laughs> That's our engineer back there. You can't see her, but she's keeping us on task here. Over about three hours of being with this girl and her baby, mm -hmm. we we uh. called every. Possible shelter, connection, housing place for this child in southeastern Michigan. Not just Wayne County. We call the connecting counties, too. 
yeah. to no avail. Because it was her and the baby, too. It should not it should be, be that, that hard, hard mm-hmm. to get help. There are so many funds that are available to build homes like that, to open homes like that. It's just a matter of the agencies, nonprofit or agencies or people coming together to build them. We do need more shelters. We need more shelters for trauma, Mm -hmm. domestic abuse, emotional abuse, sex trafficking. We need more shelters. We need more safe places. What if we had critical care centers just for trauma? Mm -hmm. That would be awesome. That would be great. There you go. Sound like you just started a new business. No, I just asked y'all a question. That's That's what I did. Say it again. Sounds like, didn't you you hear him breathe a new business? (laughs) Was I the only one that heard that? (laughs) Engineer, did you just hear him breathe that new business? (laughs) See, everybody else heard it. It's like in the middle of the night, if your child is sick, and you don't go to the hospital, you can find a critical care somewhere close to your neighborhood. Well, that's urgent care. So you yeah, should be able to find, care. yeah. We need to have an urgent care slash critical care for people in traumatic situations. Maybe they're not at the level of they need a shelter, per se. They just need somewhere to go. Temporarily, just yes. to offload this and maybe get some advice real quick. Then we need more people to go out and speak as well. As I was sharing last week, I used to speak at community colleges and colleges to young ladies who were in potential domestic violence situations. And what's interesting is you know that the ladies who come to those, they're not coming just because they're curious. They're coming because there's a that strong probability that they're in a situation they don't know how to get out of. And sometimes it's just a matter of someone giving them the the empowering them to leave yes mm-hmm. and 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 not giving up i think about one time i was went to court with my ex-husband mm-hmm. and the judge looked at me and said baby girl you can do better than this but it took me seven years to know that for myself I'm glad that we have better domestic abuse laws than what we had back in the past Mm -hmm. because when the police would come to our house, Mm -hmm. they would look at me and talk about the fact that I was so little and this, that, and the other and how how short women were feisty and how they were this, and they would laugh at me, and they left. They would leave me there. There were no... There were the laws. The laws had not changed at that point, wow. and because he knew the police, mm-hmm. hmm. it took it took it took me having to forcefully defend myself or stand up to myself, and then they wanted to arrest me. But the female officer who had said, "No, we've been here too much. Mm-hmm. We're not arresting her," you know. And I left. I left. I never went back. A lot of these young men today, they're killing these girls. Yes. They're killing them. So And their kids. And their kids. So my thing is, yeah. running to the same city, to me, isn't far enough. Mm-hmm. I think that we should be able to have transportation to get them out of the area to get them out of Michigan because I was, I was fortunate. I was very fortunate. It took a while um, 
before he found out where I lived. But I was fortunate enough to be surrounded by people. And his parents were wonderful people, you know. So they they maintained the secret of where I lived mm. until we got past that. We're friends now. I well, I say I wouldn't say friends. Friends. We're, we're friendly okay. and we're very cordial now because I had to forgive. You know, I had to forgive and understand. However, we do need to help. We need to help. And I do want to say something. We, don't, we have a short time here. But one thing that I want to say is love logical moms, love logical dads of blended families. I'm talking to you directly now. I talked to the foster families before. But those of you in the blended families, if your love logical child is in a situation with the other parent, don't sit back because that's not my child. Because that's your spouse's child, so it is your child. That's right. Don't don't sit back and and if if the your spouse and and the ex don't get along, then you step up. And you step up. (laughs) Step up and be there for that child. Be there for that child. Yes. yes. Um, talk to the talk to the mom. You know, be there for that person. I grew up in a house where my mother's ex-husband ate dinner with us on Sundays, mm. where my father and he used to go and work out together. You know, right now, me and my ex-husband, we get along. We get along just fine. You we can be our role model. You know, yeah. because that's the way it's supposed to be. It is. You it know, is. you are supposed to embrace a child. That's why I don't like the word step parent. Mm-hmm. Because you're not step, you're not supposed to step on anybody. That's right. Love that child. That's where love logical comes from. Because it's only logical that you love that child as if you gave birth. Yes. Biological by nature. Love logical by choice. Yes. Mm-hmm. We have only a minute left. So, closing remarks, real quick, Claudia. Be our role model. Be proactive. I like it. Always smile. Yes. And don't give up. Don't on give the up. Ones that. You could give up on the most. Yes. Jonathan. Forgive, forgive, forgive. All right. So you guys heard that. And I'm going to tell you, love in a positive way. Pay it forward. Give a hug where a hug is needed. Don't close your eyes and act like you don't see something. Even if you have to intervene quietly, secretly, anonymously, do something. Don't just do nothing. We'll see you next week with part three. And thank you so much. And as always, with Love Logical, DNA not required. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.